We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. And now, continuing our Chicago Bears rookie scouting reports, we're joined by Patrick Brown of Go Vols 24/7. He does a great job covering Tennessee football over there. An excellent site, and he's here to talk to us about Darnell Wright, the Bears' first-round draft pick, number 10 overall. First off, Patrick, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to uh, join me here today. Yeah, no problem. Uh, enjoy talking about Darnell. He's a pretty good story and uh, became a really good player for Tennessee over his last couple seasons here. Yeah, no, I, I've got the chance to talk to him, um, not one-on-one, but like a one-on-four type setting after he did his initial press conference. Seems like a, a really nice kid, and we're excited to have him here in Chicago. And I guess right away, I mean, just – just give us a scoop on Darnell. What, what was his time like at, at Tennessee with volunteers? Zach, his, uh, he, he maybe doesn't have the as cool of a journey as some of the other Tennessee guys that got drafted. He wasn't working at a Dollar General a few years ago. He wasn't a two-star recruit uh, like Cedric Tillman was, a wide receiver that came out and was uh, drafted by the Browns. But uh, certainly an interesting journey. Comes in as a five-star prospect, was one of their, uh, their big signings back in, in 2019. Uh, like I said, a five-star guy, I think. I think 24 seven sports had him as the number 25 player in the class, uh, the number two offensive tackle. <clears throat> so he comes in, uh, I think he starts his third game. Uh, I think he actually started his career at guard. Uh, then moved to tackle was doing okay. Seemed to be doing all right. Then he, he gets an ankle injury his freshman year. Um, and, and that kind of derailed his momentum a little bit there. Then, you know, you're wondering what he's going to be. Cause you know, when he came in, it was always, he's a little raw, but he's got a lot of potential like the kind of potential that would get you drafted in the first round uh, and could you know potentially be a franchise left tackle for a team. But um, you're going into 2020, you're looking forward to him getting a, a full off season. He doesn't get it obviously with a pandemic uh, for those big guys. I don't think being away from the nutrition table and the weight room was, was good for a lot of them. I don't think Darnell was right mentally. Uh, I don't think he was right physically um, in that 2020 season still started nine games, but it was just uneven, you know, up and down. You saw flashes of what he could be, but, uh, there were a lot of a lot of kind of growing pains there, and then um, I, I think this the things kind of turned for him uh, in January of, of 2021 when he decided to stay. First of all, there were a lot of guys in his recruiting class that were highly ranked that that left uh, when, when Tennessee underwent a coaching change. And, and the biggest thing I think Darnell might say is that that 
uh, Tennessee's coaching change brought in offensive line coach Glenn Ellerby. They really clicked. Um, and I think Darnell would say that, that Ellerby really helped his uh, sort of maturation and improvement as a player. So uh, he starts at left tackle all the way through the 2021 20, season, plays pretty well. Um, but you really start to see things kind of turn for him in the middle of the season. He didn't give up a sack the last six games. Um, his tape against Georgia that season, that was the like all-time Georgia defense, the one that I think has had everybody drafted on it. Uh, I think he had some good tape against then and then just kind of kept building and building. And uh, I, I think the staff sort of showed him what he could be, what you know, what uh, the, the kind of life-changing opportunity he could create for himself with his potential. Uh, I think mentally he kind of grew up a little bit and saw that and, and sort sort of started to mature and and saw what he needed to do to to play well on Saturdays and uh, you know he was excellent last season. Obviously everybody remembers him playing really well against Will Anderson the week before he shut down B.J. Ojolari, who I think was a top forty pick around you know, early second round guy. Yep. So uh, he he was really good in those one on one situations. Had some good film against Clemson at the end of the year in the Orange Bowl. So um, he he really. Uh, took his game to the next level over the past two seasons. I think, first of all, because he sort of grew up and, and saw what he could be and, and sort of matured and, and maybe learned the game, understood the game better, knew how to prepare. Uh, and I also think the coaching change helped him because he got a guy that really connected with him and really brought a lot out of him. And uh, I couldn't help but you know listen to him talk about Chris Morgan with the Bears. I couldn't help but think that that he's kind of maybe got that going already with with a guy uh, with the guy who's going to be coaching him now, which I think is is probably good news for the Bears. Yeah, you mentioned the whole thing with um, staying at Tennessee and, and you know, everything that went on at Tennessee over the past couple of years. And he mentioned it, too, in his press conference. He said he felt like he owed it, you know, to the program and the teammates that did stay. Um, you know, I'm not too familiar with who left um, out of those guys. But in your eyes, for someone like Darnell Wright, a five-star prospect, he very easily could have gone, you know, had yeah. his, probably his pick of programs oh, yeah. he wanted to go to. How important was it for Tennessee for him to stay and, you know, kind of be an anchor on that line and, and to see the resurgence that Tennessee's had now um, here in 2022 and, and now going into 2023? Well, that that's something I think is always going to sort of cement Darnell's legacy in the eyes of Tennessee fans. You know, that's something, you know, we heard Josh Heupel, Tennessee's head coach, talk about a lot is, you know, their their rise over the past two seasons were, were built by guys that stayed. Um, and I think Darnell's an interesting case because, like you said, Zach, he, he could have left, he could have gone anywhere he was a five-star guy still had two i guess it would have been up to three years left at the time um and, and the guys that left in his class were the other one was a uh, one of them was a uh, another offensive tackle was the five-star guy and Wanya morris who went to oklahoma and was a third round pick uh, the other two highly rated guys were henry totoo uh, who went to alabama uh you know that didn't sit well tennessee fans obviously then you know he was a fifth round pick eric gray was a running back that also went to oklahoma and of course, those guys that went to Oklahoma, you know, Lincoln Riley leaves after their first season and then they weren't very good this past season. So um, and I think both Toto and Gray were fifth round picks. So Darnell got, I guess, the last laugh and he he got to see Tennessee um, take off with him there. But, yeah, it, it was it was a you know, I, I don't know how many how, how big it was at the time, because, again, he he hadn't he had sort of underwhelmed compared to expectations at that point. I think he was better than maybe a lot of him credit for you know offensive line such a tough position it's one of those positions where you really only get recognized if you get beat or you get a holding penalty so um but I, I was actually going back and looking at it uh working on some stuff for him last week and he actually like decided to stay before Tennessee hired a new coach which was uh I think a sign not necessarily of, of his belief in the coaching staff that came in because a lot of times guys will want to meet the new coach they'll see how it goes they might give it a spring and then see but he, he determined before he even knew his coaches was, was going to be that he was going to stay. And so 
um, you know, that, that, I think that showed a lot to, to his teammates. He's always been a really kind of well-liked guy in the locker room. He's never really been a sort of a, a problem or a head case. He, he did have to grow up a little bit, but, uh, some of that immaturity, I think was just like realizing, okay, you can be really good if you really sort of channel all your energy and focus into preparing like you should getting your body right, all those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, him staying was a big deal. I don't, again, I don't know if it was a big deal at the time. There was just so much going on. That was, uh, that, that January of 2021 was a pretty crazy time my twins had just been born so I, that, that whole month was a blur for me yeah uh with the coaching change what i had going on too but um for him to stay was, was obviously a big deal and i think that sort of cemented his legacy for tennessee fans and, and obviously it, it really worked out well and, and it shows um you know in this day and age of, of the transfer portal when so many guys can you know it's so easy to hop in and go somewhere else for whatever reason sometimes if you stick it out even if it's through some tough times it can work out for you in a big way we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, he he mentioned, he said like, you know, there was no coaches <laughs> and we had like no guidance. So, you know, him and the other players that stayed, they just had to kind of make their own schedules and to me, that's tough. Like you're a college student, like you right. have no one encouraging you, no one motivating you to like work out. I mean, that takes a lot of like, you know, self, you know, imposed, like you have to um, have your, have the will to do it. So that, that kind of impressed me about him. Um, you, you talk the game film and I've seen a lot of the tape. I've kind of gone back and everyone brings up the Alabama one because of Will Anderson mm -hmm. um, and how high he went. I don't know if you remember, there's a play in that game um, where, it's like his guy, he, I think he blocks his guy, then he kind of cuts inside and helps out, and he puts, um, I think it's Latham, just puts him on his ass, like just comes over and just bullies him. Does he kind of play with that nasty, mean streak to him? Um, or is he, you know, does it, is, it, is it something where he has to turn it on, um, or does it just kind of get going right there from the start? Uh, I think he's sort of developed that a little bit. He, he kind of gives off the, this gentle giant kind of vibe a little bit and a lot of offensive linemen do that i mean they're not gonna you know stare you down in the uh you know in, in, a, in a media conference or a press conference or whatever um and, and you bring that play up in alabama there's some plays in the in the clemson game against brian Bercy where he's you know kind of giving them the business there a little bit uh, at the end but I, I think he sort of developed that a little bit i think i don't, I don't know that tennessee had to bring that out of him but um i, I think that was part of the sort of the, the realizing how realizing how good he could be. He's like, I'm bigger and I'm stronger. I can, you know, I can hold up against a guy like Will Anderson. I'm fast enough to, to take on a speed guy like Ojolari. Um, and, you know, I, I think that was part of him sort of realizing what he could be. And, um, 
he played next to a couple of guys that, that have a mean streak a little bit. Maybe they rubbed off on him. Um, so, and, you know, I think as often as long as you have to have that. And so I, I think as he got better and maybe got more confidence in himself, you know, you're able to, to kind of see the game slower and you know that, that you, you know, you've got your guy blocked and you can go chip on a teammate and take a guy out. So um, I think that sort of was part of his process of getting better to where he knew how to play the game and was confident in his own skills and could see, you know, could see what he could do. And um, I, I think maybe that started to come out a little bit more uh, later in his career where he kind of had that, that mean streak, that nastiness, that kind of pushing maybe the envelope a little bit. I don't think he ever got any like personal foul, like late hit penalties or anything like that. I think he drew on one time. I don't know if you go back and find it. I think it was the ball state game where he kind of okay. flopped a little bit um, and, and drew a call on the other team with some sort of after the whistle kind of coming together. But um, you know, he, he, he started, I think, do that a little bit more as, as he got later in his career and sort of understood what he could be and what he, uh, you know, kind of how to play the game and, and his confidence sort of grew. Yeah. I asked that because, you know, he did a radio interview here in Chicago and, and one of the hosts asked him, you know, are, you know, are you kind of like that nasty guy where, you know, you you protect your quarterback and, you know, if someone hits your quarterback late, you know, what's going to happen. And his answer was pretty refreshing. It, it was pretty much, we'll, we'll be in the parking lot. And that, that's, that's to <laughs> us in Chicago, that's important because we had a guy, um, Tevin Jenkins, drafted out of Oklahoma State a couple of years ago, and he plays, you know, he's 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 a mean guy on the field, and he stood up for Justin Fields after it was a late hit, and one of the veterans got in his face because he got a penalty, but that's what Chicago wants. They want someone to stick up for their quarterback. You know, we have a running quarterback. We have a guy that's going to move um, out of the pocket. That's why I ask, um, I asked that, but blocking for Hendon Hooker. Um, and also blocking, I, I, I'm blanking on the other quarterback's name from Joe Milton. Yes. Joe Milton, big arm, man. I've, I've seen him play. Right. I just forgot his name. Um, do you think, you know, I, I don't know if hooker is, is as mobile as Justin Fields, you know, Fields kind of had to tuck in and run a lot because the offensive line was so bad. Do you think that will help, you know, Darnell Wright maybe um, blocking for Justin Fields? Or do you think it's something he's going to have to like recognize where, okay, you know, no one's open. My quarterback's going to take off and run more often than not. I, I think it'll help a little bit. I don't, you know, you talk about fields. I don't know if there's any, how many quarterbacks there are that are better runners than he is. But, you know, I, I do think Hendon did have a, a tendency sometimes to tuck the ball and run maybe sooner than maybe he should have. That's maybe a difference between him and Milton. Milton was maybe a little bit more willing to hold the ball because, you know, he's got the cannon attached to his arm. Even if it's late or somebody comes open late, he can still get it there. But, uh, you know, Hooker did move around the pocket a little bit. Um, there's a little, there's an element of chaos to Tennessee's offense that goes so fast. Um, you know, sometimes you're, you're blocking the defense before they're lined up and everything like that. So there, there's that element to chaos, uh, element of chaos to it. There might be some of that with the way that fields can extend plays and sort of bounce around and, and move around the pocket. So uh, I think that can help him. Um, can't help Darnell. I should say that, that, you know, he, he knows a quarterback, you know, might be, you know, he might have a guy blocked outside, but it, you know, and, and feels if, if he tries to take off through that seam right there, he might have to keep his guy from tracking back and maybe getting, you know, getting his shoestrings or whatever. So um, I, I do think that can help him. Obviously, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that hookers, I don't know that anybody's a, as good a runner as Fields is, but um, certainly playing with a mobile quarterback will, will help him uh, understand that uh, sometimes, you know, you're not gonna be blocking for a stationary guy. Like sometimes you, you maybe think you are, sometimes you might do it in a drill where there's no, you know, there's not the guys just standing there. That's not going to be the case when it's a, it's a game and, uh, he, he's got freedom of movement and, and likes to move around and extend play. So I, I think that can help him a little bit. Yeah. And looking at him, you know, the pass blocking, run blocking, where does they excel best? And, and 
maybe specifically if you could talk a little bit about the run blocking because Chicago's offense is more of an outside zone scheme type um, four or five backs they have that can they can really run the football now um, you know will that be a problem for him maybe having the block on the outside in the run game and just kind of how's the pass blocking maybe a little bit of an adjustment for Darnell okay. Tennessee's offense gets this label that's a whole nother podcast about the way the NFL views this offense um, they they do run a lot of I would say pro style run schemes I would think maybe the uh, and I think Darnell pointed this out at the combine is that some of the questions that, that Tennessee's quarterbacks and receivers are going to get about playing in their offense doesn't really apply to the offensive line because um, it's still maybe the closest to what you would say was NFL football. But um, they, they did run a lot of outside zone. They ran inside zone. They ran split zone. They ran um, a lot of concepts that that may translate over to um, to what he's going to need to do in the NFL. Um, it is a little bit different. I don't know if he was ever in a three point stance unless it was like short yardage. So that might be a little bit of an adjustment, but, um, certainly he's got, you know, a lot of power, a lot of pop in his hands. He moves really well. Um, he can move people, I, I would say, uh, in, in the run game. So, uh, th- there's maybe going to be a little bit of adjustment like there is for a lot of rookies, but it won't be completely foreign to him. Um, and, and I think he should be okay there. I, I would think that, uh, his pass blocking is probably what is the headliner feature for, for Darnell. You've seen it on tape. You've seen that he's got uh, the ability to, you know, he, he's so big and powerful that he can hold up against bull rushes and guys that are, um, you know, power rushers. And uh, he was talking at the combine about how he kind of breaks the game down. He's got like three different um, categories he uses for, for, for pass rushers when he's, he's studying them on tape, he's speed power. I think finesse might be the other one. He said that, you'll get guys that are two of them, but never a guy that's all three. And uh, I remember he talked, talking about him going up against Ojolari, who's a smaller speed guy. He said, I almost overset in my past set because I knew that if he tried to go inside, I could, you know, I had the power on him. Um, and certainly Anderson was a, a speed to power guy. So um, his ability to kind of alter his game plan and his approach based on who he's facing, I think uh, can help him as he applies that in the NFL. Um and, you know, I, I think he's got the balance and the power and the bulk and the, the ability to anchor that, you know, speed guys might give him uh, trouble a little bit. Uh, I think the only guy I saw that beat him in one on ones at the senior bowl was Will McDonald, who I think did he end up going in the first round. So I think so. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, maybe sometimes those speed guys, but Darnell's a guy that if he can get his hands on you and stay balanced, he, he's in good shape. So, um, I think the pass blocking is probably his strong suit as he gets to the NFL run game. He's, he's obviously a lot of, you know, pretty athletic, pretty powerful. So I think he'll be fine there. He might have to adjust to what the bears are specifically doing. Cause like I said, Tennessee's offense is a little different, but uh, I think he's got the tools to be uh, really effective in that part of the game as well. Good stuff there. My uh, last question before we kind of wrap things up, I really appreciate you taking the time again. Um, I think you've already mentioned a couple games on tape and everyone talks about the Alabama game. Um, if, if bears fans wanted to watch Darnell Wright in one game, that's not the Alabama one. What would you kind of point to? Which tape would you point to for them to watch? Uh, I would probably do the Clemson game. Um, that's, that's another team. I don't think they were at full strength. I think the Tigers had a couple guys that didn't play. Um, miles Murphy was a first round pick. I don't think he played. Um, but KJ Henry played. I think he was a draft prospect. I don't know if he got picked. Um, Brissy was a first round pick. They had a couple of matchups where, uh, I think one time Brissy got him. And then the next time Darnell got him back. Uh, I think there's a play where, uh, I think it's Darnell just clears out a guy. Um, and it would have been a big run, but the quarterback kept it and tried to make a guy miss and got tackled for a loss. So you didn't really see it, but, 
Um, I would say that one, that one in the LSU game, obviously LSU's always got a lot of defensive front talent. Ojolari was a high draft pick. I don't know how often they were matched up against each other, but does these offensive line played really well that day. I think they had over 200 yards rushing um, in that game. And uh, obviously LSU's always got a lot of talent. So I, I would probably point to those two games um, just because of, of how he played and also uh, the way that Tennessee's offense played and, and the caliber of opponent that, that, that he went against that day. I, um, if they want to veer away from that Alabama game, which is going to be probably the main one, but yeah. um, those would be the, maybe the next two that I would, that I would pay attention to. And, you know, there's the Georgia game as well. You know, that I, you know, I think Darnell did fine in that game. You know, Tissy's offense was pretty bad that day. Uh, really couldn't get out of their own way. Sometimes, you know, Georgia's talent had a lot to do with it, but Tennessee also made a bunch of mistakes in that game, but uh, that's another game where I, I don't think he was like getting beat a lot or, or very, you know, he didn't get beat a lot at all last season. So, um, that'd be another game that you could really see him against the the best of the best and, and see what maybe how that projects to the NFL where he's going to be going against the best of the best every week. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at and where can everyone read your work? Yes. Uh, my Twitter is uh, P Brown 24 uh, seven. Our site is uh go 24 seven. I think it's 24 seven sports.com slash Tennessee. I don't know. We've changed the URL a few times, yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you just Google Tennessee 24 seven, I'm sure that would pop up and uh, all of my uh, content is there. Uh, and, um, and you can probably see a lot of my work on Darnell. Uh, if you just go to his profile page on 24 seven, I've written a lot of, about him over the last, uh, few months. And it's funny, we didn't really get to talk to him a whole lot during his career. I think he did maybe one interview okay. um, during his whole career, but, uh, I did get him in the locker room after the orange bowl. Uh, that I was pretty proud of that. Cause he was like one of the last guys there, uh, managed to get him and, and he was really good. And he's been really good at the combine and, uh, he was really good the other night after the bears drafted him and some of the stuff he did there. So, um, yeah, that's, those are the three places. If you want to read my stuff, if you want to read more about Darnell, those are the places to go. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on Zach. Yep. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.